As Protestants and Catholics, we worship the same God, we just do it a little differently. For example, Protestants worship God in their Bible studies, fellowship, and spirit-filled services. And Catholics worship God in their beautiful cathedrals, liturgies, and sacred traditions. But that's no reason to behave like prideful little children in the Father's house, fighting over who God loves more, just because we think our way is the best way. For there is no distinction between Jews and Gentiles, and there is no distinction between Protestants and Catholics. The same Lord is Lord of all, and is generous to all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We are all God's children, but the enemy has us distracted and divided against ourselves. Meanwhile, he's destroying our families and robbing our children of their future. We must join forces. Let's stop talking about how we are different and start talking about how we are all the same in our struggles. We are all broken and we all need a savior named Jesus. We like this idea so much we created Broken Catholic, the number one podcast in the world for Protestants and Catholics. Now close your eyes and take a listen as everyday Christians reveal shocking before and after stories of how they resisted or cooperated with God's plan for their life and what happened next. Hi, this is Dr. Scott Hahn and you're listening to Joseph Warren with Broken Catholic. You're going to enjoy everything you hear. Today, our featured guest is Bill Yo. He is an award-winning and best-selling author, keynote speaker, business owner, and faith leader, committed to the adage that the truly educated never graduate. He has earned master's degrees in business administration and in ministry and theology. Bill engages in service work in his local communities and abroad, employing and sharing the blessings of his talents, gifts, and resources. He lives with his family and their many pets in Pennsylvania and New Jersey. Now, for all our business listeners, this is an important little uh, factoid here. Bill also is a third-generation owner and executive of Day and Zimmerman, his family's 45,000-person employee firm, 120-year-old family business here. That's a lot of lives to be engaged with, to participate in to be responsible for, to lead to something better. All right, Bill Yo, welcome to Broken Catholic, number one podcast in the world for Protestants and Catholics. Praise God. Go ahead and just fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you? Right. Well, uh, well, thank you, Joseph. It's a real uh, uh, honor to be here and feel very privileged to uh, have, have uh, connected with you. So, uh, yeah, and it always sounds so weird when, when a bio like that is read um, because... Boy, that's just a lot. Um, but uh, no, I, I've really been, uh, you know, blessed to sort of walk a couple different paths as an adult. Um, a lot of time, as you mentioned, in the business world, and and continue to be very proud of a third generation owner of our family's business, and uh, that just is truly part of who I am. Uh, and then in more recent chapters of my life, much more focus on my faith journey and elements of that. And I'm so sort of in an exciting time now where different things are all starting to come together. The walk is, uh, you know, step-by-step step being illuminated for me a little bit and, um, you know, just trying to do the Lord's work as best I can. You know, waiting on God to guide our steps. He sure does take his time sometimes, doesn't he? Yeah, and and uh, a lot of times the, the steps aren't clear and then every once in a while he hits you with one you're like, oh, that was an easy one to figure out. Thanks, appreciate it. And you yeah. want to give him a little fist bump, so... Yeah, easy clarity, difficult execution, right? Yes, yes. 
All right, Bill, uh, let's start off real light here, a little icebreaker. Share something personal about you that very few people in your business or ministry life actually know. Huh, something personal that very few people know. Um, okay, so I have a, uh, if, if, if some of your older listeners may remember, David Letterman's stupid pet trick. So people always said I had a stupid pet trick, which was I have an ability to count letters really quickly. So like on a street sign or a book cover or something like that, I have this weird I wouldn't even call it a skill, just this weird thing where I can count the number of letters very quickly on a sign. So, has that come in handy? Not, or not has it been in used? the slightest. I no. just want to know uh, how you monetize that. Yeah, I know. It, it, it's short of like a bar bet. I haven't found a way yet. So, if you do, <laughs> work something out. There you go. All right, Bill, let's get into it here. We want to hear what God's done in your life. Were you raised in faith, Christian family background? What was it? Sure. Yeah. No. I um, was was born in uh, born into the Episcopal Halian tradition. I uh, was baptized, confirmed as an Episcopalian uh, by my parents. I'm the youngest of five. Um, we were, uh, you know, I would say, sort of in in these mainstream or mainline Protestant traditions. We were typically observant, which would consist of you know going to church most Sundays. Um, we gave ourselves the summers off, and I never really understood why, but that still seems to be the case in a lot of mainstream Protestant traditions these days. Um, and so, you know, it was kind of to the point where, you know, on the way home from church and Sunday school on Sunday morning, I'd be sort of taking the wool coat and the tie off and saying, you know, pun intended, thank God that's over with till next week. So it was a, an hour a week type thing, the occasional, you know, wedding here and there. And, um, you went to school with a few Jewish kids, so maybe a bar mitzvah thrown in. Um, but you know, that was largely it. Um, I, in my twenties, uh, fell head over heels for a devout lifelong Roman Catholic, uh, uh, my wife, Kelly, we've been married, uh, coming on 26 years now, uh, has, uh, has, a, has had a deep life of faith. Her, her priest was an uncle who, who married us. And so my wife is a grade school girl spent, uh, part of her Saturday evenings up in, uh, up in the bedroom with her uncle, you know, giving confession. Um, so a little different than what probably most teenagers were doing in high school, uh, back in the, uh, the seventies or the eighties, I guess, um. But so we were married, uh, we raised our kids Catholic, I remained Episcopalian, um, and then I had a real turning point in my life and my faith journey when my mom died in uh, 2015. Uh, and that really kind of set, set me on a different path and kind of ultimately has brought us here today, so. Okay, thank you for that short story there and a little background foundation. It's always so interesting to just kind of learn how God navigates uh, you know, his truth, his calling, his pull within our, our human story, within mm -hmm. our lives. So many times we think we're in charge, you know, and then later on we look back in retrospect and we're like, oh my gosh, I had no idea what I was doing. Mm -hmm. But somehow God weaved it all together and we got this beautiful tapestry, tapestry called my life. Right. And, and it's it's just fascinating. So it sounds like that's probably where you're at right now. But staying back in time here, uh, your mom dies in 2015. What happens? Walk us through that story. How'd sure. you meet, yeah. How did you so, encounter God like in your heart in a very real for way? For sure, for sure. So her, her death was the culmination of, um, you know, years of up and down health and months of, you know, more serious health issues. And weeks and then days and then hours so it was certainly her passing was not a surprise to any of us and so we we're able to say all the things we wanted to say and um and it was sad you know the the sort of inevitable but sad experience of losing a parent um you know losing my mom her name was mary by the way hmm. um 
but it was also very beautiful at the moment she passed. And it was beautiful because uh, it was late afternoon on a, on a June day and there was a beautiful sunset streaming through this large uh, sliding glass door next to her bed. Um, it was beautiful because, you know, we knew holding her hand the moment that her pain ended. And then for me personally, it was beautiful because I knew the moment that she went to be with God and God pushed on my chest, literally on my heart and my chest in that moment to the point where it was like I had the wind knocked out of me. And so I was sad and I was emotional and I was crying um, because I was upset my mom had died, but there was something else going on. And I was sort of, I wasn't aware, but I was aware of what that thing was. Um, getting goosebumps right now, thanks to the Holy Spirit, just recalling that. And that was God speaking to me at that time. And now with the benefit of, you know, almost eight years hindsight, I can, you know, clearly say that, that, you know, that was the time that, that, that God said to me, Bill, it, it's time to change what you're doing, um, change your direction, uh, you know, a little more dedication, a little more application of your talents and gifts. So two months after that, I made the decision to, to make pretty radical changes in a 25 year career, uh, pulled out of most of my responsibilities from a management perspective, our company. I decided to research and write and publish a book on our father and on our on, on our family, which I did. A few months after that, I'm starting to go to uh, small group work. You know, a few months after that, starting a small group, one of now two that I've started. A few months after that, oh, look, maybe a mission trip. Um, you know, and, and so all these things kept culminating, eventually culminated in my conversion to Roman Catholicism from the Episcopal tradition and um my earning a ministry and master's in theology during the pandemic at Villanova, and then publishing my second book, Unvarnished Faith, uh, which is now number one bestseller on Amazon. So it, it's been a pretty action-packed eight years, and, and I'm excited to see where it goes from here. So, Wow. Okay, Bill, it's one thing to marry a Catholic. It's another thing to become one. Like, what <laughs> actually happened here? Yeah, yeah, no, and that's, uh, I, I get that question a lot. In fact, I get that question from people like, help me understand how you could join a tradition that believes in X and Y and doesn't believe in Z. And and sometimes I feel like that people have like a laminated talking points card in their wallet when they have a chance to meet a Catholic, let alone one who at the time in my late 40s walked into the faith eyes wide open. And, um, you know, it, it was, again, I can look at it. It was a series of people and opportunities and things that God put in my way. I talk about it uh, in, in towards the end of my book um, that just, I, I got to the point where I realized not only can my family and my marriage be more complete, um, but most importantly, it's simply where I felt closest to God. I felt God the most present in the Catholic tradition, in the Catholic liturgy and worship, uh, and just walking around every day as, as a Catholic. And and I went into it eyes wide open. The, the in fact, the week that I met with our pastor uh, of my local parish was literally the week in 2018 when the uh, latest round of grand jury results had been released in the state of Pennsylvania for um, sexual violence and cover up by, you know, a, 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 a grossly large number of priests within the, the state of Pennsylvania. And so my, my thing was kind of it was like everybody was heading for the exits and I was the only person lined up at, at, at the entrance and. And in, and in some ways, maybe that was, you know, a small way of God saying, all right, pal, the church is on its heels a little bit in some tiny, tiny little way. Maybe here's your opportunity to make connection. But I, but it's just quite honestly, it's where I feel the closest to God. One of my friends in an ecumenical Bible study said, you know, it's great that your family, this helps your family life to become Catholic, but what about you personally? So I went to mass by myself and it was really a, a, a mystical experience for me. And 
since then, it's been a number of things, and now I'm I'm proud to be part of a faith with with granted many many warts, but any 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 large institution has them. But as I read recently, no other organization in the world feeds more people, heals more people, or educates more people on a daily basis than the Catholic Church. So here I am, and uh, and a lot more to unpack with that. So you know, I really appreciate your openness, transparency about bringing unity. Right. Not only to your own family, but to your own spirit. Mm. You know, sometimes we're divided on the inside within ourself. Mm -hmm. Right. You're like, you know, I, I hold these beliefs over here, but I'm actually walking in conflict or I'm walking mm -hmm. in this direction in my actual walk with the Lord. And to to resolve that, I think, is yeah. the calling of every human heart. And I like the way you said it is. And I offer this to you or contribute this to you, BC Nation, that go where you sense God's presence most. Go where you sense God's presence most. The way I say it in some of the coaching work I do with very successful men is I don't have any skin in the game as to what label you identify with, what religion or faith you want to be part of. All I ask, and you should Intend is pursue truth, God's truth, wherever it leads you. And if he leads you to be a better Baptist, be the best Baptist you can mm -hmm. before the day you die. Right. If he leads you to be a better Christ, uh, Catholic, be the best darn Catholic you can be. And if right now you find yourself in the journey of atheism, and that's just where you are, which I once was, it's not mm -hmm. the end, it's just mm -hmm. a middle ground. But if you find yourself there, then at least stand for that, like really lean into that, but keep pursuing God's truth. And as we know, you know, as biblical Christians, God, if you continue to seek him earnestly, regardless of where you're starting, if you're atheist, he will pull you out mm -hmm. and bring you towards him no matter what, right. no matter what. So I'm okay and safe in my theology to say, if you're an atheist right now, as long as you're willing to pursue truth, be the best on atheist you can be mm -hmm. right now, because I know that's only a temporary thing for you. Right. The right. way it was for me. Soon right. God will move you. It's not his power, your power. It's his power. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, all right, Bill, talk to us. You wrote this book called On Varnished Faith, and I don't want to make this about the, the book, but I want to know, what does that actually mean to you? What does sure. that look like in your life? Yeah, and, and, and thanks for asking. It's actually a perfect segue from what, what you were just talking about. So... Um, you know, the book is about a mission trip that I took and with my brother and his wife's ministry, Servants with a Heart. Um, and I felt called during the middle of that uh, trip to write this book. Um, I had just published my first book, which was, you know, like I mentioned on my father. But, you know, kind of day three of the trip, the Holy Spirit sort of said, all right, pal, kick into research mode. Um, you know, you're, you're going to publish a book on this as well. And, um you know, we, we worked on it. It tells the story of the trip. It tells the story of the life observations. But the book is ultimately about the importance of love and relationships and not from a Catholic perspective, not from a, any, any denominational or even necessarily from a Christian perspective, but just from a human perspective, mm -hmm. how important it is to focus on love and relationships. So what is unvarnished faith? Well, unvarnished faith is what I experienced and saw in some of the locals that I had the pleasure and privilege of interacting with down there. And where it applies to us in the, in the developed world and the audiences that I have a chance to talk with is I feel like the denominational and doctrinal divides and even faith tradition divides that we have are very important. And, and it's where, as you said, 
where, where a Baptist would feel closest to God, where a Catholic would feel closest, you know, where, where they feel they're being their most authentic self. But I contend that that and that so that's sort of the varnish we put on faith. But but I contend that we we pour too much light and too much energy into those relatively thin denominational and doctrinal divides as the as opposed to the huge swaths of commonality we have around love and relationship, commonality about God is love and we're called to love God and love our neighbors ourselves. However hard that may be to love our neighbors or ourselves, we're called to discern our talents and gifts to help those that are less fortunate. Uh, we're called to recognize and be grateful for the, the ultimate sacrifice that Christ made for us and live into that with, with, with our lives, with the witness of our lives. So these are things that I feel transcend socioeconomic uh, boundaries. They transcend geography. They certainly transcend denominational divides. And, um, and it all really comes back to that the subtitle of the book is Learning to Love with a Servant's Heart, which is a play on the ministry that brought me their servants with the heart. But, it, but it's if you can learn to love with the heart of a servant. You know, that that is literally walking, being the arms and legs of Christ, being the light of Christ, things that you talk about a lot. Um, that to me is is, you know, what it's all about. And that's what unvarnished faith is about, ultimately. BC Nation, what do you think? Do you think the labels of differences we have are more important than the commonalities of faith in Jesus that we all share. Now, you may say, well, I don't think those Catholics actually believe in Jesus. Well, that's rather presumptuous of you. You can't read another man's heart. You can only look to your own. And that's where Jesus would look down at you and say, why are you judging? Have you walked in their shoes? The judging is for the Father and Him alone. So we're meant to just embrace the person in front of us and see Jesus in them. Now, before Bill came on the show, he said, hey, I got to wrap up, you know, within a certain amount of time because I'm going to go serve the poor people in his local community drive about an hour or so to go do that and feed them dinner. He's going to serve Jesus. And when someone's hungry, you don't ask them, what denomination are you before I give you this food, this nourishment? Jesus never did. So why are you? That's just a self-check. I used to do it. I was so critical the way I was raised. And so judgmental and Bill, oh, so self-righteous. So self-righteous. But then God showed me a better way, his mm -hmm. way. And his way is love. Like you said, love first. Mm -hmm. Judge the actions, not the person. Judge the actions, not the person. Yeah, mm -hmm. this is critical. Bill, God's calling you to something right now, okay? So... You've had a successful business career. Now you're walking in a successful spiritual career, we could call it, or walk. Mm -hmm. And you don't have it all figured out. I get that. You don't have all the answers. But what answers have you picked up along the way that you're now certain of? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's a, 
It's a great question. Um, and yes, it, it's, I, I feel like I'm very much in a, uh, a chapter of transition right now, but um, what I do know is that th this, this idea of revelation and discernment, it's a toggle in my life and anybody's life. God reveals, I discern. God reveals, I discern. I admit I miss most of the revelation opportunities that come before me, but the ones that I'm blessed enough and, and present enough, you keep talking about presence, that I'm present enough and quiet enough to catch and discern on those. You know, God didn't right now intend me to to take what what was a 25 year full time business career and just not use that going forward anymore. You know, God didn't intend me to take the talents and gifts he's given me, whether it's around leadership or business or strategy or communications or whatever it might be, and not apply those to the common good. So I, I'm in a process now of how do I discern the different things I can use? How do I employ those things as well as my, uh, you know, my material talents and gifts that I have? Um to help the world, to make the world a better place. And, and right now that happens to be with the kinds of things I'm doing around this book, around speaking, around opportunities to go serve. Um, and, and I'm trying to be open to, this could be the conversation that, that might open up an exciting new chapter um, or, or the one this afternoon or the next one or the next one or the next one um, of where things might go. But if I can just remain present, and as we talked about, you know, if I can just surrender to God's will in terms of what I should be doing as, as often as I can and get out of my own darn way. You mentioned self-righteous, you know, not think that I have all the answers because gosh, do I love providing the answers. The more I can do that, the more like it kind of looks like pretty cool stuff is showing up and stuff that's helping other people and stuff that's for the good. So uh, I know that's kind of a general or maybe a vague answer, but that's, that's kind of what's motivating me decision by decision right now. So now, what about all that, that surrender business scares you the most? Um, you know, it's interesting because I, I'll talk to people about, you know, well, you know, you just got your degree and your book just came out. What are you going to be doing a year from now? You know, I really don't know. And the person will say, wait, maybe I didn't ask that question quite right. What are you going to be doing a year from now? And I'll say, I really don't know. No, I heard you and I'm, and I'm really not sure. So you know, I don't know that I'd say it scares me, but it's a uncomfortable conversation for other people to be a part of. And and maybe where my mind goes is, oh, look at this person of economic privilege who can sort of afford to be in this situation where, you know, the mortgage is fine, the, the, the kid's tuition is fine. And so, you know, he's he's discerning these things. What what a privilege that would be. And, and by the way, it is it is a privilege I have, but it's a privilege God gave me. And, uh, you know, plastered to my wall is Luke 12, 48, which is everyone to whom much was given of them, much is expected. And I know I've been given a lot and I know my family and I have worked very hard to nurture and steward uh, all those gifts. But that that means that it doesn't mean I get to do less or as much as the next person. It actually means I have to do more. And that's what motivates me. So I don't know that there's really a, a, a fear in the surrender. There's just a, um, it's a constant sort of check-in of like, Stay the course, pal. This is good. You're, you're, there are millions of people who have walked a path like this ahead of you, and 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 they're fine. You know, ultimately, you're fine. Maybe not in this life, you're fine, but ultimately, that's a good place to be. So stay on it. You remind us to those who have been given much, much is expected and asked of them, and you recognize that in your own journey and your walk. Yeah. You're going about it and discerning it as it's being revealed. There's that cliche, God never gives you more than you can handle. 
Do you agree with that or disagree? Um, and let I, me just I, not yeah. set you up here. I'm yeah. going to tell you I disagree and I'll tell you why. But. Okay. So do I agree with God gives us more than we can handle? I think God will not give us more. Than oh, God will not. I'm sorry. You're right. Yeah. Um, I think that is true. I, I think that is part of God's truth. But um, God also bestowed us with free will and, and free will can enable us to do a lot of beautiful things and ultimately love God voluntarily and have our own free will and own volition, but, and love each other that way. But, you know, free will and the material trappings and the intellectual trappings and the life experience trappings and all the things that we experience in this life can sometimes have us think that, you know what, that time frame and that amount of stuff, that equation doesn't work. It's not quite right. This whole 24 hour day, seven day a week. Yeah. No, it needs to be like 26 hours, you know, like, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to get it done. I'll figure it out. Don't worry about it. Productivity, everything else. And, but then ultimately I think, you know, at, at, at one point or another, we all reconcile ourselves to the fact of, Oh, you know what? Like God kind of knew what he was doing with the whole 24 hour, seven day thing. That probably is enough. And as many people have written long before me, if we're not getting done the right things, it means we're trying to do too much. We're not doing the things we're supposed to be doing. So, mm. I believe one of the biggest problems at least successful men have, but most humans have, is failure to prioritize. Failure to mm. prioritize. FTP, right? But going back to that, NBC Nation, I just want to like speak to you for a moment here because, man, I used to believe that. I'm like, God will never give me more than I could handle. And then I kept finding myself in these growth situations, meaning pain, suffering, stretching. And I'm like, this is more than I can handle. Like, clearly, this is more than I can handle. And I think this is the distinction. God will never give you more than you can handle without him. His strength will be sufficient for what he gives you. Your strength will not be. Right. So God will often give you things that are way more than your strength can handle. That's how you grow. If he's not stretching you, you're not increasing in capacity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if your capacity is not increasing, then you can't love more. You can't contribute more. You can't give more of yourself, which is the calling on your life. Do you get that? Like, that's a powerful lesson, I think. I know it was for me in my life. Now, I'm not definitely not at the point where, God, please stretch me more. Please give me more. I'm not there. I still grumble. I still resist. Bill, I want to ask you, when it comes to resisting, where do you still resist God in your life? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great question. Um, you know, the, the, the thing that I'm working on a lot now, and in fact, I'm in a, a you know, a, a, an online Bible plan or, a, or an app Bible plan with some other guys working on this is, is issues around, you know, fear, anger, resentment, you know, kind of, and, and sort of maybe anger at the middle of that. And, and, um, you know, as opposed to the serenity of knowing what I can't control, and as opposed to, you know, just being tranquilo when it comes to things getting riled up around me and, and, and knowing that anger, you know, and I believe this, I've written about this, you know, anger is not a primary emotion. Anger is some, as a secondary emotion. Anger is a defense mechanism protecting some underlying gap or void in us. And, and, and that gap or void, whatever term it has ultimately can be filled by embracing God's love and, and further surrender. 
And so the, the, the struggle I have is, and it's really on an interpersonal basis. I wouldn't say it's as much on a professional basis or, or other kinds of things, but um, the, the struggle I have is, is allowing that love to fill my soul, to fill my heart as much as possible so that these petty and sometimes ugly defenses don't have to kind of unnecessarily muster you know, and, and sort of guard the gate sort of thing when the gates, when the, when the castle isn't even under attack kind of thing. So that's, that is so true. So true. I think, especially for us men, loss of control makes us mm -hmm. angry mm -hmm. because we feel powerless, right? And powerless men get angry yeah. over time. Right. And we, we just lash out in a rage, right? We just act out. We yell at our wives. We yell at our little precious babies. Mm -hmm. And then we feel guilt and shame around it, which increases our loss of control. Why couldn't I hold on to my negative emotions? Mm -hmm. We're in this vicious cycle, vicious cycle. And the answer is what you just said, full surrender to God. Are we willing to surrender that loss of control that we feel at different moments of our life? We can't control everything. It's impossible. Are we willing to surrender to him who can? Man. That was my biggest, yeah. my yeah. biggest, most difficult, hairy breakthrough challenge in my life was right. learning right. that. And it's always sneaking up, always sneaking up. Bill, what do you do right now to strengthen and deepen your faith? Like what's a consistent routine habit that really works sure. for you and you get yeah. results from? No, it's a, it's a great, great question. And something I really try and be very intentional about. And, um, <clears throat> You know, it, it, it sort of exists on multiple levels. And again, a lot of people have written about this, but, you know, first and foremost is my one-on-one -on -one relationship with God and, and the time that I spend every morning in prayer, in reflection, the time I spend just during the day uh, in prayer and reflection. And so making sure, you know, where, I, where am I with God? How am I, you know, that whole revelation discernment toggle that I talked about. So that, that's sort of the core. Secondly is, is work in small groups. And whether that small group is my marriage, my family, or, or actual small groups, fellowship groups, Bible study groups, I'm, I'm involved in three different groups. And I, I, you know, I started two of them and, you know, one's Catholic, two are ecumenical, some are Bible study, some are gospel reflection, but, you know, just the chance to intentionally break open the word with other believers and discern and, and talk about and debate, argue kind of what that all means. And then more broadly, uh, a church community and, and the importance of belonging to a church community. So, you know, I'm in my, my Catholic parish, St. Thomas of Villanova here outside Philadelphia, um, you know, I had the chance to lead a discussion last week with our parish community on division and dialogue. Hmm. And not only within the church community, but more broadly in society and with the national election cycle coming up and those kind of things. So where am I there? And then more broadly into all of humanity, into all of the kingdom. So, so, and, and that's my unvarnished faith and, and a lot of those things. So what I really try and do is sort of at every level, whether it's concentric circles or levels, inspect, how am I doing? How am I being called? Where, where's the time sort of going against all those things? And, and I enjoy sort of playing both on that particular level and, and out on that universal level. Mm. What a time for that topic, right? Mm. Yeah, for sure. What is, in your life right now, what is God showing you that is that greater height he's calling you to, mm -hmm. where maybe you feel disqualified, unequipped, 
not ready, unworthy. What is he showing you? Yeah, another another great question, Joseph. Thank you. Um, you know, I, I think it really it, it is around this idea about division and dialogue. And and one of the things that I talk about, whether it's in business settings or or, or church settings or you know secular settings, is so much of the narrative I feel with people, and particularly people of faith, is you know the secularization of society, how pluralistic it's gotten. You know, where God has been lost, our values are gone, and it always ends with the refrain: "We need to go back." We need to reclaim. We need to get back to the way things were. We need to be undergirded by these values that were the bedrock of the founding of our country or the founding of our society, you know, whatever those things are. And where I'm feeling drawn, and it's 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 totally like white space or blue water or whatever, and that's what makes me a little ang or uh, you know uneasy about it is, is I think about the life and ministry of Jesus Christ two thousand years ago. And yes, Christ, Jesus, Jesus talked about going back. He, he would go back to, to Hebrew scripture and to, to the sacred word when the leaders of the time had, had contorted that word for human gain and for human benefit. But his message wasn't to go back. His message was to surge forward. His message was to create a new unified kingdom here on earth for, 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 gen, for Jews and Gentiles, for everybody, a universal kingdom you know, to really manifest the idea that everybody was created in God's infinite image and everybody is imbued with divine love and everyone is called to love God and love each other and love themselves and love and, and steward and, and take care of this wonderful creation. And so to me, when I think about it, again, whether it's division in the Catholic Church, division in Christianity, whether it's interfaith issues or, or you know, like I said, we have another national election cycle coming up. I, I don't I don't, it doesn't sit well with me, this idea about going back, but, but I don't know what the new future looks like, but what I know to my core, and I'm not smart enough to know what it is, but what I know to my core is that dialogue and civil discourse and reclaiming the ability as, as, a, as a species to disagree without being disagreeable and overcome all the political and, and media and digital things that want to divide us and prey on the extreme natures of our personhood if we, if we can get through those things and, and reclaim the vast common unity and similarities that we have, um, you know, that I think there's, there's truth and there's beauty and there's love in that. Um, I'm uncomfortable and nervous about it because I don't know what that looks like and I don't know what my role is, but I know it's where I'm being called. Mm. It's such a good and relevant ideal. And I push back here. When you look at the world around us, it's really difficult to ignore the enemy's blatant visibility. Mm. No longer hidden. Out in the open. Mm. Satanic. Coming for our children. We see it all over the place. So we're at this place where it's hard to ignore the darkness as it's coming in like a storm, yeah? We don't want to despair by any means because we are the salt and light of the kingdom of heaven. However, is that ideal even achievable? Like having rational dialogue with the enemy when he's on attack? Yeah. Is that a fair question? Yeah, I, no, it, it absolutely is. Um, you know, what, what comes to mind for me, because the, the opposite of, of the enemy 
having that evil dialogue at you. The opposite would be evangelizing, speaking to the love of Christ and speaking to the light and, and how he would write. And, and, and where I sit with evangelization is, is if I try to evangelize somebody or, or debate somebody or, or, or confront or rebut somebody by trying to convince them about how my worldview or my ethos or even my faith lens is a better one than theirs, what I'm basically telling that person is, hey, you know, Joseph, let me tell you how you've been doing life wrong, right? No one likes to be told they're doing life wrong. No one likes to be should on, right? I'm going to come should on you. You should have done this. You should have done that. What I really believe the evangelization is, is, is what's the witness of my life? How do I show up to other people? How do I engage with other people? How do I comport myself? How do I, how do I manage my time? How do I manage and disperse my resources, my talents and gifts? By the witness of my life is how I can evangelize. And, and, and then knowing to your point from earlier, how much can I bite off? How much can I control? Well, that I can control. I can control right now in this moment, how am I living? And how am I trying to be the arms and legs and try and be the light and try and be the arm, the, the, the eyes and, and ears, if you will. So it's, it's not a matter of outsmarting, out tricking, having a better set of facts. I've also become very disenamored with facts mm -hmm. because uh, we all have them and they're all true to, to the extent that facts are true, but they can support very different theses. Um, and we're but, in a society where facts are of lesser importance than feelings right now. Yes, yes. And, and and I used to say facts are stubborn things, and they are. But if we all have facts, it's almost been commoditized to a certain extent. That's right. Um, and, and that's an overgeneralization, believe me. But um, but no, I really do think through through dialogue and through me evangelizing by the witness of my life, I'm not sure what more I can do to help move the needle to, to the good than that. But I think that's I think that's enough. Mm. Excellent. Okay. Sometimes how much is enough, BC Nation? You know, something more than nothing. Yeah. Mm. Something more than nothing. Do something more than nothing that God's calling you to do. Go serve one person today. If yesterday you served none. That's it. Just improve 1% progress each day. At the end, well done, my good and faithful servant. Your ears shall hear. Bill, this is my time of the show when I invite you to my favorite part, I think, the confession round. I'm going to ask you 10 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. It's just for fun. Okay. It's like a game show without the prizes. Are you ready? All right, sure. What's your favorite thing about God? Uh, love. What is your least favorite thing about God? Uh, how hard it is to see God. <laughs> Agreed. I believe we're all struggling with something at any given moment of our life. It's just part of the human condition. What are you currently challenged with right now, either professionally or personally? Um, I would say earlier about, you know, dealing with anger and resentment and, and revenge and some of those things and knowing that they are not an end of themselves. What is it that they're, what is it there that they're fronting and how can I deal with that thing underneath? Amen. What are you most afraid of? Uh, the safety of my loved ones. You know, some, something, something unthinkable happening to my loved ones. Sure. What did you spend way too much time doing this past year? Um, boy, uh, I, 
I don't know. I'm, do I have to pass on that? I'm trying to think. I, uh, this is like a deep dive self-assessment. I know it, it sure is way too much done doing this past year. Um, I, you know, Hey, maybe it was, uh, revising things that I wrote instead of going with them because people thought they were good from the jump. I don't know. Dude, I do that all the time. Man. Yeah. Yeah. What secret fear do you have about people? Oh, that I, that they won't like me. It's a very yeah. common one. What do you wish you had learned sooner about God? That God is in the everyday. God's not just an hour on Sunday. That God's God's with me 24-7 and, and God's part of my life, not not sort of in addition to some other parts of my life. That God is, you know, the middle of my life, not, you know, something else somewhere else. He's not the bookends, right? Right. What is a new habit you're going to create this year? Um a new habit I'm going to create this year. Um, you know, I'm on a constant quest for moderation. So, and, and I can, I can moderate whether it's how I spend my day, whether it's the food that I eat, whether it's, you know, the different people I spend time with, but you know, that that's my Holy grail in some ways is moderation. So however I can have moderation show up, even like you said, in little 1% ways from, from where it has been. So, you know, something I've been fasting from is negativity. Mm. I'll tell you, man, social mm -hmm. negativity. Yeah. Now I'm so sensitive to it. Like I go on one time yeah. and I feel my spirit just getting heavy yeah. Yeah. and I'm like off. Uh, pick three words to describe who you are now. Three words to describe who I am now. Um, I would say um, approachable, which is probably a newer word for me. Um, I would say uh, faithful, and I would say um, hardworking. Yeah, got it. You seem very approachable to me. Pick three words to describe who you were before you had that encounter with Jesus and gave him mm -hmm. the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say uh, unapproachable um, for for the, a lot of the a lot of the time. Um, uh, overweight was certainly one. I've, I've uh, had a lot of physical improvement since that time. Um, and, uh, you know, I would, I would say ill-tempered. Yeah. Got it. Mm -hmm. And Bill, last question. If you could come back to life after you died, look your family and friends in the eye and give them only one piece of advice about God, real relationship with them. What would you say to them? Oh, a little softball to end things there, huh? Um, exactly. I could come back to life, my family, and tell them one thing about God. Um, you know, I, 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 I believe, I pray, and I hope that with how things will be in the eternal glory, that I can tell them, whatever's getting you down, do your best not to let it get you too down, because just wait, baby, it's going to be awesome. It's awesome up here. Mm -hmm. Don't get down, get up. All yeah. right. Homework assignment for my audience. What is one action BC Nation must take this week if they really want to grow their faith and relationship with God? What homework assignment do you want to give? You know, I would say for this one week to grow their faith and relationship with God is be very intentional about somebody in your life that you don't normally encounter in your life and reach out to that person about them, mm. you know, whether it's a, 
uh, a relative you're not close with, whether it's a former colleague, uh, whether it's, you know, somebody from your school days, but somebody who, you know, they pop into your mind. And again, there are no coincidences, but, but somebody in my, my belief, but somebody who's popped into your mind, reach out to that person and reach out and just say, Hey, I thought of the other day and I, and I missed where we were. I just want to see how you're doing. That, that'd be a great building block. Amen to that. And BC Nation, if they push back, which is very common, they're like, oh, I'm fine, or just hanging in there, and they give you the short little blow-off answer, they're actually just asking, do you really care, mm-hmm. right? So ask a second time. Always ask a second time. And the second time, they normally open. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, how are you? Right? They turn it. They right, spin exactly. it. Just ask it again. Well, actually, I'm doing great, but I really just wanted to hear about your life. What's going mm-hmm. on? Mm-hmm. And just lean in and people open up. But first the defense comes up because most people don't actually care when they ask him. So ask twice, always ask twice. All right, we're speaking with Bill Yo and uh, BC Nation. This guy just showed up for us, right? Like he just gave us time from his life that he'll never get back. He invested into your life. That's a beautiful thing. This is the love of Jesus that we're called to do with each other, right? It's to give of ourselves, our talents, our joy, our stories, the life we live, all of it. Now, BC Nation, if you enjoyed this episode with Bill, please go to Apple Podcast uh, or BrokenCatholic.com or Stitcher Radio, Stitcher.com, and write an honest review about Bill and how he showed up today in this episode. I know he would love to hear from you. Um, if we like what you write, we'll give you a shout out live on the show which I'm about to do with handle flow 4284 flow 4284. Thank you for your five-star review. Uh, she writes wonderful insights. Uh, I enjoy listening to broken Catholic podcasts. The everyday insights to a strong faith life, uh, are very helpful. I recently listened to the latest episode, which discussed the concept of surrendering to Jesus. Hey, that's what we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. I found myself thinking about it throughout the next few days. What a wonderful concept. It's more than a concept. It's an invitation from him. It has made me think about, am I really surrendering or rationalizing my behavior? Great common sense insights. Thank you, Flow4284, for your insight. That helps us. And go write your five-star review now uh, if you so choose. Bill, where does BC Nation find out more about you? Maybe they're compelled to go pick up your book. What do you got for them? Sure. No, thank you for that. Yeah. And, and so the book is called Unvarnished Faith. Uh, it's available on Amazon and you can learn more about it at unvarnishedfaith.com. So just one word, unvarnishedfaith.com. And you can find the book there. You can find other writings I've done. And you can also join my newsletter. And I send out uh, with some regularity different uh, events or musings or beliefs or, or, or readings or excerpts from the book or different kinds of things. You can also download the first chapter for free. So Awesome. All right, so go to unvarnishedfaith.com if you feel compelled to. And Bill, thank you for being on Broken Catholic. I wish you God's love, peace, and joy in your life, sir. Thank you, Joseph. God bless you too. Cheers. Have you tried absolutely everything and nothing has worked? Have you tried therapy? Have you tried coaching? Have you tried counseling, Christian counseling? Nothing's worked for you, for your spouse. You just want better communication. When you wake up, do you feel like you want to crawl under a rock in the morning time? Is your brain so scattered and foggy at this point that you're not following through with things? You're not keeping your word in the matter. 
you're letting people down, maybe your own spouse or kids? Do you have way too much on your plate and you're getting more and more frustrated, which is turning into anger? Are you battling addictions right now? Are you an amped up or frantic person with a lot of anxiety and you're off and on a bipolar and depression medicines? If any of these you connect with, then what I do is specifically this. I do not do therapy. I do not do counseling. Those are for people that want to talk about their problems or learn different ways to cope and manage their problems. I don't do that. Reach out to me if you want to get rid of your problems permanently. Like be done with the addiction. Be done with the medications. Be done with the escaping your life because you just feel so powerless in it. If you want those results and you want peace, it's what we all want. We're all chasing it. We had it as kids. We lost it. Life beat the crap out of us. If you want peace, that's what I sell. It's God's peace. So you can find that at josephwarren.net. You can schedule a call with me, complimentary. I'll contribute 30 minutes of my time into your life. We'll get clear on what you actually want. Then we'll see if we're, we want to work together. And that's me interviewing you to see if you're ready. Are you ready to do what it takes? Some people try to come to me, but they're not ready to be coachable. They're not ready to get rid of the problems. Again, if you don't want to talk about your problems anymore and you've tried everything and nothing has worked and you want to permanently get rid of them, go to josephwarren.net and let's see if I'm your guy.